Welcome to the table. Welcome to the table is a podcast put out by the good people of Pulpit Rock, where we sit around a table and have conversations about important and interesting things. I'm your host, Thomas Thompson, and I am very excited about the season that we're in. We are doing a season on parenting, and this season, my co-host is Susanna Bates. Hi, Susie. Hey, how's it going, Thomas? It's great. It's great to be here again. I'm excited about today's episode. Well, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be getting into today and who we've got with us. Yes, I have brought some dear friends of mine. You're included in that, Thomas. Hmm. You're going to have to speak up in this one. So we have Thomas and his wife, Jessica, are here. Say hi, Jessica. Hey, everybody. And we have Rob and Laura Shorey. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Thanks for being here. I have witnessed you two families successfully launch two kids. Each of you have launched two kids out of the nest. And from my seat, from what I've seen, you guys have been a great encouragement to me. I have a couple of years before I do this, but I have watched you guys. Uh, we all go to church together. I know your kids, and I just think that you're doing something right. I do want to say that you're not here because you are experts. You're here truly because you are witnesses. You have witnessed and experienced things you have learned, and um, I think you've done some things right. I'm sure you've done some things wrong. We don't have to talk about those if you don't want to, but we would love to just uh, dive into your experiences. You don't have to be an expert. You just, you're just a witness. And I know that there are other families who could learn from just hearing you guys' stories and the lessons that you've learned. Kind of the common thread through this entire season of parenting is to encourage parents to fight for their kids' hearts, not their kids' behavior. And that's definitely what I have witnessed in, in your two families. I think you guys do that really well. But in launching, I, I can't imagine, I don't know, higher stakes with your kids. I feel like, you know, with picking a school and um, a vehicle to travel back and forth with and all these decisions about majors and who your friend's going to be. Like, I, I, I know I would be really tempted to want to control a lot of that. Um, but I see you guys being very open-handed with your kids and trusting God and encouraging them to find their own way. Um, so that's what I want to talk about today. Well, thank you for inviting us. Thanks for this being here. Exciting and a little nerve wracking also. It is, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so let's just hear a little bit about kind of our families. Jessica and I have four kids. They are, uh, well, they are no longer all four teenagers. That's right. We have a 20 year old girl, uh, an 18 year old boy, 19, 19 year old boy. Oh. <laughs> And then uh, two more boys at home. So we've launched yeah, two kids uh, out of the home. Okay. What about you guys, Rob and Laura? We have a 20-year-old son, soon to be 21. Wow. Um, a 19-year-old daughter. And then we have two at home still, 16-year-old twins. Well, what would, you, what would you say has been something that you've learned along the way here? Uh, you said something about the stress of picking a school and picking a major. And um, that... That's hard on the kids, and you see it in their senior year. They are just stressed out. Everyone is asking them, "Where? what are you doing next year? What's your yeah. major? And having to guide them through that but not tell them what to do. It took us by surprise how much anxiety not just our kids but their peers also had towards, you know, just, and I think we probably did the same thing, but this feeling that I have to decide my entire future in this short span of months during my senior year and with our kids and just talking to their friends, we really had to back off a little bit because we realized every single person in their life was putting this kind of pressure on them and it was driving them crazy. Even 
our oldest is one of those kids who seemingly has it all together. He knows exactly what he wants to do with his life. He has a direction and, you know, we don't all have that, but some people do, mm -hmm. even him. He had a lot of anxiety and stress uh, with that. And so that took us by surprise a little bit. I think we kind of live in an anxious time, but um, we had to sort of carefully choose the conversations that we had and when we had them. And I think we had the role of, you know, just trying to get them to relax, you know, mm -hmm. um, that this isn't, you know, one decision that you make now that uh, sticks with you for the rest of your life. It's, it's a decision, uh, but like everything, you take it from there. Um, and that, that was, I feel like we're past that with the first two and just entering that time with the second two. Agree? I think I think reassuring your kid that if you pick school A over school B, it's not the end of the world. What if school A was better, but I picked B? You know what? You're going to be successful at either one of these schools, and it doesn't really matter. They're both great options. And so helping them just relax a little in that decision-making seemed important. We've had a number of conversations with our daughter throughout her first year of college where she was wanting to change her major. She was stressing about it. Oh, and, and I love what you just said about it doesn't matter. It's, that's, it's kind of the secret that, that now at this point of life, I look back and go, it really didn't matter. I mean, outside of a couple of professions, what you major in, uh, where you go to school, these aren't, these aren't really as big a deal. But you're right. From their perspective, it's just so huge because they've, it's the first time they've ever done this. And stepping out on their own is just an added layer. Laura and I were talking about um, how often our relationship as parents with our kids mirrors our relationship with God the Father, and in a sometimes very uncomfortable ways. And, and this is one of them: is I myself am sort of an anxious person. I, you know, I worry a lot. You know, I'm the kind of person that has a hard time taking the advice to just relax. It's not the end of the world. You know, just relax and. I see that a lot in scripture. I don't think Jesus wants us to be anxious. He, he wants us to relax and trust him. He's going to take care of us and just take a chill pill and, and, and take it easy. And here I am trying to play that role with my kids and not living that out necessarily myself, you know, in my own life. So we are chastened, I guess, by our role as parents reflecting, you know, our role as children. Um, also. That's interesting. Would you say that this this phase with your kids is something that you are, had have been anxious over or did you feel a little bit more at peace and you're just trying to calm them down about it? I wouldn't say that I had a lot of anxiety with them leaving. Um, and that might depend on the kid. You know, everybody, every mm -hmm. situation is different. But with the first one leaving the nest, it was excitement. And, you know, this is a new adventure and just ready for them to, to get at it. With the second one, there was more of a that feeling, but also a feeling of loss. Mm. Um, just, you know, you realize how much things change when they go off to school. And I think with your first one, it, you're, Ooh, what's this going to be like? Yeah, and then the second one, you're like, be, yeah. okay, I know what this is going to be like, and this is hard. It's good. It's exciting. It's the right step for them to be taking. But I think there was a little more mourning of Okay, yeah. yeah, I know what this is like, and it's exciting and wonderful and hard, yeah. um, and we miss them. Yeah, you're putting into words exactly what, what I experienced. I was shocked at how much harder it was for, the, for me for the second one to leave than That's for the first. And it makes sense. I wouldn't put this in there, but I was more excited about the second one, maybe. <laughs> like, I was more excited for what that meant for, like, our family and excited for him, but I mourned his leaving the most so far. 
And it's funny when, when your kids are little, you can't imagine them ever leaving home. And, and, and yet, you know, we, we remind ourselves, this was the point. (laughs) The point uh, of having them was to propel them out there. And, And so it, what was, what I did not expect, um, having a little girl leave home and, I'd always, you know, loved her and thought, oh, she's, I never wanted her to leave. But it was really unexpected to me when um, kind of in her senior year, I just sensed, yeah, she's ready. We're ready. Th- this is right. This is the next step that needs to happen. And it wasn't this, this, I, I talked to so many dads, like with young kids, oh, I just, I'll be a wreck when my kids leave home. Well, I, it, it just, it just worked out that it was time. Well, I wonder, you know, we have had kids who have left. I wonder if it's different when you know your kid's not quite ready. I'm mm. sure that's a different experience. And some kids aren't. Some kids need to be home for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem extremely uh, pushy to kind of expect a 18-year-old kid to decide what they want to do with their life, pick the right school, go make all these choices like fresh out of high school. It, it does seem like we rush that. Yeah, I think we also have a tendency, at least I think this was maybe more true when we were in high school and deciding what we wanted to do next. There was one true path and it was college. And that's not, there is not one true path and there's not one true path for every kid. And, and that's not a great decision for every kid. But it's a difficult one when, um, when you see your friends choosing college and you're deciding to do something else. I think that puts a lot of pressure on kids also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like with information so available now, the draw for college is it seems like is is more experience based than than like education. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to go to college to get an education now. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I had three friends who uh, their sons all turned uh, or left home at the same time, and they went into this gap year deal where they went to Australia for like nine months, and they had some things planned out. It wasn't just a you know off on their own, but it was it was just giving them some space and time and. I'm, I'm really realizing with our kids, like college is not for everyone. You don't, you can get a trade, you can do some other things, mm-hmm. but it's that idea of, of, of them launching. Yeah. We have, uh, one of our four, uh, she would do, she's a great student. She would do great in college. I don't know that she's interested and, you know, it's just given the price tag it, you know, it, there are some things where I think she'd get a lot of joy out of having her own business. Um, you know, what should we do? Should we help her do that? Or should we help her pay for college? That, that's a difficult decision. We're mm-hmm. still wrestling with that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, some of that has to do with what you think is wise and what advice you want to give to them uh, with where to start. And some of it is what brings them joy and, you know, and, and would, would going off to college bring them the opposite of joy? That's interesting because I, you know, think about I have launched these two kids, but I think a lot about the two that haven't launched yet. And I think asking about the stress of helping them through that, I feel more of the stress now as opposed to once they've applied to some schools and they have some choices and they have some ideas of just that pre-launching, I think, is where my stress comes in, not so much at the launching. Well, let's talk about some phases that I think we've identified here. I think we have three. Uh, a preparation phase with with your student, your teen that could even be before senior year. I know with my daughter, she's a sophomore and we're having these conversations. Um, so I think I'm in that phase. It's a little bit longer one. Um, and then their senior year sounds like a pretty big piece of this launching thing. And then once they're gone, I mean, I have some questions for you guys. You know, we're approaching 
Christmas. We just had Thanksgiving when your kid comes back. I read an interesting article lately. Um, when your college student comes back home, they bring a lot more than just their laundry. Um, you know, they've changed and probably have different political views or who knows. Um, so let's let's hit those three. What about um, the preparing phase? What would you say is something that you guys wish someone had told you? Someone who's like a lap or two ahead of you. What do you wish someone had told you in that preparing phase? I'm not sure it would have helped if somebody had told me, but um, one of the struggles has been, um, and it's, you know, it's a process that's happening for a long time, but it's um, my role as a parent changing and, you know, what that looks like during the transition. And I'm not sure I was ready for that. And I guess the way I would describe that is most of the time that I'm parenting my kids or for for the most of the years that, um, that we were forming them, um, you're everything. And you use the word control in the introduction. I, you know, I, I, I guess I would use that word. You're sort of in control. Yeah. Um, you're their mentor. You're their, the person who disciplines them. You're their pastor. You're their teacher. Um, you provide food. You're their right. provider. You're their protector. Um, all of those things. And that's most of our experience as being parents. And, um, and then you are transitioning into this role where some of those still exist, but it's situational, but I can't be their protector. You know, once they've launched, I'm, I'm sort of their provider. We, we are paying for our kids school, but can't overdo that. Right. You know, they, they need to have their own job and income and make decisions about money. And so it's just that long sort of transition that, like Thomas said, the point is to launch them uh, it can feel disruptive to what you think of as being a parent, right? Yeah. And you have to sort of reshape that in your head, you know, what that looks like, which is still a process I think that we're struggling with going through. Mm-hmm. I would piggyback on that. That um, the You said at the beginning, like fighting for their heart and not their behavior. Yeah. I didn't have a relationship with my parents where I shared my heart a lot. And we have valued that tremendously in our family which means they do share the mistakes they're making and the choices and their victories. But I was not prepared for how heartbreaking it would be for me as the parent to hear their hearts, like to hear the, the mistakes they made to, you know, be with them when they were experiencing the consequences of those decisions that that pain, like it makes me emotional even now thinking about it. Cause it's just so, heavy as a mom no one told me that 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 sounds like you did a great job of staying connected though i mean it you you, we went through a struggle with each kid in different periods where you know it's hard to stay connected and you really you really are the one putting the energy into it It sounds like that worked beautifully though with 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 your kids Mm -hmm. that's great great to hear talking about that senior year i think we tried to make an effort to back off some and help them make their own decisions and um, have conversations before going off to school of if you get someone pregnant, they are with you for the rest of, you know, that is something you're dealing with the rest of your life. So Mm -hmm. make sure you're thinking about those things. Mm -hmm. Or if you get pregnant, that changes the course of your life. And, you know, is that, it's not the end of the world, but is that the direct, you know, make sure you're thinking of that when you're making decisions, Um, doing drugs, alcohol, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. It's all, having open conversations about that before they have left, Mm -hmm. um, 
just that last bit of what parenting can I can I shove in there right. <laughs> before you're <laughs> out from under my roof and it's not so easy to do that. Um, yeah. So that senior year is is big of and just one of the kids that we launched only wanted to have those conversations starting at about ten fifteen p.m. Right, that's when he <laughs> had availability and you know wanted to connect, and uh, that was hard at least for me because I had to go to work in the morning. But yeah. And that's typical. That's when they so, that's when they come alive. That's when their hearts are open. When they're winding down and well, we the other one we launched was in bed by nine fifteen p.m. <laughs> so she was she was a lot easier. <laughs> that's always just a great piece of advice someone gave us once: is whenever your kids are in the mood to talk, you, you that's just, you talk. just do you talk. it. Yeah, yeah. that was different for me because I I'm one of those dads that would be like, okay, hey, on on Friday morning we're gonna have breakfast and we're gonna go talk, and I, it's kind of the way I would approach life. Like we're gonna have this appointment and this meeting. And uh, it, it didn't always work out. I mean, a lot of times these breakfasts would be, yeah, no, yeah. Okay, well, we're done. Um, but, but also you're building structure for it to happen. Yes. And that's important too, or it might not happen. So yeah. it's just, it's not, a, not always a home run. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, a couple of you have mentioned the staying connected to the heart piece. That there's, there's something there. I, um, Rob, you mentioned you, you, there was a phase where you guys felt like it was really, you were the only ones putting that effort in. I think with our kids, though, I think we can trust when you build that connection. It's like they're a boomerang. At some point, that that time is going to pay off, and that connection that you did have, and the effort that you that you put into staying connected to their heart when they need you, when when they hit rock bottom or get stuck, I, I just I believe that they're they're going to know where they can go and they're going to come back. Jessica said earlier that it's heartbreaking when they do share those things with you. But it's also they're sharing those things with you. And, you I mean, you have to value that and you yes. have to leave that door open so that they will continue to share and you can continue to, you know, it's a parenting, but it's shifting as they're becoming adults of more friendship sounds weird. It's not exactly friendship because you're still a parent, but it's 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 a morph of those mm-hmm. things. If your kids are uh, 10 and under, my best suggestion for you is start learning to play poker. <laughs> so that you can develop a strong poker face so that no matter right. what they say, you don't freak out. Exactly. You just go, okay, right. and inside you're dying. Yeah. Uh, and then later you go in your room and cry. But in that moment, you're, you're <laughs> right. open and listening. So I think back to the control piece, <clears throat> it's about owning from the preparation stage to senior year to then they are launched. It's this transition of ownership as parents. And we own so much of who they are when they are young. We own everything. And we, we make every decision for them. I mean, yeah, I'm saying that loosely. But And then as they grow, it's okay. It's okay. These are the categories. We want to make sure really specific things that we're teaching them, like how to grill a steak or how to – and then also spiritual things about um, the – of who God is. And so there's so much of ownership that we want to own and we want to pass on to them. And then it's slowly, because I know for me, there were times when I owned too much of their behavior mm-hmm. because I felt like it was, it was, a ref- I believed the lie that it was a reflection of me. And then, and then senior year, giving them as much like, okay, if you're going to fail, this is the year to fail. Cause we are here to catch you. So you're in essence owning kind of a safety net for them and but then as they are gone, OK, because uh, I constantly am asking myself, wait, do I need to own that? And because it's it's especially with the first and the second or probably all of them because they're all different. It's a very different journey 
of what to own, how to let go of that ownership. Um, because I think we also connect differently with each kid. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if we're, we own a lot, um, you know, with this relationship, cause we're really close with this one and realizing, okay, this is, I'm not helping my child in this way. Um, so for me, it's a lot about once I realize, wow, I have a control issue. Okay. Let's let go of control. The healthier word for me is own. What do I need to own and what do I need to make sure they are owning? Yeah. There, there was a sermon, uh, aspect of Thomas's sermon last week that touched on exactly that. Like, you know, what is my role here? And, you know, that's a great question that I should probably ask myself more often, but mm-hmm. I think you said something about each kid being different. And that's, that's why like one, one thing that we've tried to do is with our younger kids, they will often ask us, Hey, when I turn this age, do I get to do this? Because my brother did that or my sister did that. And instead of saying things like, yeah, when you're 16, you can do this. When you're 17, you can do this. We don't know what that is. And that, that ownership thing, I like to think about it. Like, um, like when they're young, when they're a newborn, you own a hundred percent. And, and your job is to protect and you can control and do these things. But kind of the, my thought is, but by the time that they're launching, you've, you've generally slid that all the way back down to almost zero. And there might be sometimes in life where you've gone too far and you need to pull back a little bit of ownership with them. But re- that's really the goal is, is to move from kind of protecting your kids to propelling them. And you guys talked about um, shifting roles. I think that's, that's something that when you're, when you're a, a parent of young kids, you, you, you don't see that role changing. And as it, as you get forward in in life, you start to realize, yeah, my, my role is to start giving ownership away. And so for example, um, I was having lunch with this guy yesterday, father of a 14 year old girl. And he said, he has a rule in his house. You can watch whatever you want to watch, but just know that we're going to have a conversation about it. And he said, because I I could just control what she watches, but there's coming a point where she's going to be out on her own. And for the first time with freedom, and he goes, "I, I don't want to control what she watches. I want to teach her how to think critically about the things that she's doing. Mm-hmm. That's to me an example of a guy who is starting to shift some ownership over to his daughter mm-hmm. at age yeah. 14. And I think we were talking about these three phases, preparing them, their senior year, and then once they're gone, I think by the senior year, those things need to be actively happening yep. pretty consistently yes. as far as even like, what time are you going to be home on a school night? Right. Practice yeah, asking them. Yeah. You know, well, when they say, what time do I have to be home? Well, what time do you think you need to be yeah, home? You got to be at school tomorrow. So yeah. how about you decide what sounds good to you? Um, I was talking to a parent recently who did not allow their <laughs> child to have social media. And this kid was approaching their senior year. And um, I just remember walking away from that conversation thinking, gosh, this kid needs needs to practice this. Like it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a challenge that senior year, I'm sure, but it's a beautiful thing that they have kind of some practice time, like let them practice being on social media and all the the traps that are in that. Mm-hmm. Let them practice staying out too late and being totally wiped out the next day. And they learn, they learn these lessons when they still have you to call on mm-hmm. to get in trouble uh, before they, before they are actually gone. When do you want them to fail? Right, when they're exactly. in the home and, or when they're on their own? Yeah, feel as much at home as possible. Wait, maybe not as much as possible. Maybe Maybe just like once or twice. (laughs) Feel a couple of times. (laughs) The third one is once they're gone. The third kind of phase, once they're out. Like, uh, I know you guys have had two kids each gone for one for a year and a half now. Or two and a half. Two and a half years with your oldest, gosh. And then um, you each have a kiddo that's been gone a semester. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and they, I'm sure you saw them over Thanksgiving, but we're approaching Christmas break. And um, yeah, how are things going to be different when they come back? What is that like? I, I, I feel like they probably change quite a bit. It seems like they go out and, you know, political issues are not issues anymore. They're their friends. They're people that they know. Um, mm-hmm. Things like that. I don't know. What, what, have you, what do you guys have there to There is an interesting about? dynamic there. As hard as it is to see them go and emotional as it is to, um, to launch them and not have them in your house, um, it's also difficult when they come back uh, because <laughs> it disrupts a rhythm with the other kids. And, um, you know, our oldest is a strong personality. Uh, and I could say, I would say he's a stronger personality than the other three. And so when he comes back, it's, um, he's driving the show and then we're worried about, all right, well, you know, he doesn't get to decide everything. Let's try to draw out the other kids. And I don't know, it, it, it does seem different than before he left when it's a constant rhythm and, you know, as opposed to just seeing him every so often. That was interesting. I felt like when the second one left, Um, You know, we were used to the first one being gone. The second one left. It took us a month or two to get the new rhythm of just the four of us at home. And then the second one came back for a weekend and it was wonderful and it was great to have her there. And then she left and it was like, okay, back to normal. This is, this is good. And so it's, it's hard because you want them to go back, (laughs) but you really enjoy having them home. And so it's a very strange tug. Yeah, it is a strange tug. And I find it fascinating how quickly I forget what it was like to have all four home because I, I mean, we rocked four kids at home, you know, for however (laughs) many years and then two of them come back and it's three days and I'm like, I'm so exhausted. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's just like so much. And, and, and I think as each one goes, uh, I'm always shocked, even though senior year, your energy I mean, when they're young, four kids, I remember the first day they all went to school, I thought, how did I ever get anything done (laughs) in my life up to now? You know, because you have this time where it's just you and you can, and as each kid leaves, I find this margin of my emotional space, my heart space, my head space that was spent on them, even though like senior year, they're not around a lot. They're not, you're, you're mostly there for like the big deals or conversations at night if they're home. And so when they leave, there's this margin that you get back in a way. I mean, you're still thinking of them, but it's not the same twenty four seven. They're in your head and thoughts and whatever. But the, and so you give that up and you take that for yourself, or you give that someplace else, and then they come back and you're like, okay, wait, wait, like it's almost overwhelming because there's so much. But you're, I just, I keep reminding myself, but I did this. But we love this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's so yeah. beautiful and amazing. And I love the, the, the post part because when they do come home, the conversations that we're having that I wanted to have before, maybe about political issues or whatever, they're, they maybe feel more confident in disagreeing, which is fine. Like I, I want, I don't want them to always agree with that. I don't have everything figured out and. And so those conversations, I think, are more um, more exciting. Hey, we're going to press pause on this conversation right now and pick it up again in the next episode. I hope that today's sitting at the table with us has sparked some different thinking for you and maybe some different things for you to explore or even generate conversations with others around you around another table. But we welcome you to come back with us next episode as we'll pick this up then. <laughs>